podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good evening, people. And Boy Wonder is back. Connor, how was uh, how was Greece? Yeah, go on, give us a bit of information. How was it? Which islands did you visit? Some nude beaches you went to as well, right? <laughs> hey, don't share too many details. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was amazing. Yeah, I went to a few different islands. Um, as you can see, I was out there for quite a bit of time. My typically pale Irish complexion has now the developed. Same. There's no talent. There's no talent. Oh, come on. I did the lights and everything. Oh, God, you look the same. <laughs> Maybe on your arm a little bit, but you look exactly the same. Hey, let me show you. Let me show you. Are you ready? Oh, oh yeah. you see that? Yeah. Well, that yeah, happens to me as well. I'll take a watch. I've probably got a little white pastel. Oh, shit. Yeah, go. Yeah, I did the and everything. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. We went to um, a few different islands, did the standard one, Santorini, Mykonos, that sort of thing. But we found a little gem, Kufinicia. If anyone's out traveling the Kikladis in, in Greece, go to Kufinicia, that water water is absolutely crystal clear best place i've ever visited uh and like you say plenty of nudist beaches if you want to experience Kufinicia. Kufinicia. is that near mykonos then or is that another island off mykonos no nah, it was it was a fair few hours away on a ferry a lot of ferry traveling but it was worth it to uh, experience all the different variety of the kikladis did you go to crete crete malia nah, i think <laughs> malia i'm a bit old for malia aren't I? <laughs> um what's the other one santorini you must have gone to santorini we went to Santorini, we did Mykonos, they're the sort of standard two. We did Eos as well, which is a bit of a party island from uh, back in the day. It's a bit quieter now. Evening, um, Gurren. Yeah, you're gone. And, uh, yeah, Nisia. So it is Kofu, but it's called Kofunisikia now. Kofunisikia. It's different to Corfu. It's a different oh, place. Corfu separate to Kofunisikia. Kofunisikia, yeah. Go there one day. No, but, Experience no the... I've been to, So when I was younger, a lot younger, I went to Malia. We went to Crete. Mm-hmm. Beautiful um, part of the world. Uh, the <laughs> you didn't go for the culture. Come on. No, I had the local moussaka. Of course, I did the aubergines and stuff. Loved it. I loved my <laughs> moussaka. Honestly, I did. We had a veggie moussaka and a meat moussaka. It was really good. And then we did um, uzo. Is it the shots of like tequila? Yeah, yeah. Called uzo. We did those. We went to Sorrento, which was a British bar off the strip in Crete. Really nice. Um, it was good. It was good. Um, Omar Napa Connor. Omar Kehe says Napa Connor. Any Napa. resemblance? Napa, you might be As talking in, about. Uh, I I Napa. Napa. That's in Cyprus, though, isn't it? I think. Yep, it is. And we're going to go into it now because we've had enough of your, you know, uh, holidays, excursions, and your stories. Um, I know there were a few other stories on your Instagram posts, which you won't go <laughs> to. But anyway, um, it's a big weekend, Connor. Big weekend. It was a big weekend mm-hmm. last week, and we'll be covering um, on tonight's show. We'll be covering the Joshua and Usyk fight, the Wild and Fury next week. Uh, the Formula One. Lewis is back in front. Uh, felt mm-hmm. sorry for Lando Norris who will be joining Mercedes, I believe, next season. So it be, depends whether... George Russell. That's George Russell. Lando staying at McLaren, I believe. Is it George Russell who's going to um, 
Yeah, to Mercedes, Mercedes. replacing okay. uh, Bottas. Don't know where Bottas is off to, but yeah, George okay. Russell and Hamilton. Free world, free world's been to Malia. Yeah, it's a it was good few years back when I was there when I was a student. Loved it, absolutely loved it. Got in a fair few punch ups here as well, Connor, but we won't talk about those. I'm yeah. a good boy now. Kevin O'Sullivan, Kevin, big thanks to Kevin. Um, and we'll get him in next week as well, Kevin, if you're free. Uh, he was covering he was covering you and he did a splendid job. Actually, I was actually I didn't even care if you were gonna come back or not, Connor, but anyway, oh, that's fine. Kev was brilliant. But we'll get Kevin next um Kevin next week because you'll you'll get on with Kev. But into it straight away, let's talk about you know what? Let's talk about you guys first. Um, I'm going to oh, change fuck. the I'm, I'm going to change the banner around. We're going to talk about Tommy, Tommy mm-hmm. Tuchel, a manager who I've got huge respect for. I think he is a good manager, but it's gone a bit. I wouldn't say it's gone, you know, beep up, but it's gone a bit, a little bit maybe sideways. Would you say, Connor? The football isn't a ple- um, you know appeasing the fans. It is a bit negative, but this is a very these quite rare because Chelsea have the team to damage the opposition, but against City, and we can say City made you look bad and City were brilliant, you know, everything was clicking for them, but Chelsea were piss poor, weren't they? I've not seen a performance like that since another embarrassing one against City, actually. It was um, at the Etihad this time under Antonio Conte, and he came out in the post-match uh, press conference and he said I'm not stupid enough to attack Man City because that way I'll lose 5 or 6 nil." I mean he was proved right the season after when we did attack City and we lost 6 nil under Sarri but that performance I was at the Etihad that day and it is the single worst performance I've ever seen live or otherwise at Stamford Bridge um, you mean? No it was at the Etihad 1-0 uh, I think Bernardo Silva scored but it was a terrible game, and there were there's a, there was a video that went viral afterwards. Are you of talking, them about just playing it around. talking about last no, no, season? Conte's last season, 2017-18. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, there was a video that went viral of them just knocking the ball around, and no one pressed. Everyone just stood there, hands on the hips, just letting them pass it around. And we were one 0 down at the time, and it was exact same from Tuchel this this weekend or last weekend. I got flashbacks to that horrible day. We were the the gap between Werner and Lukaku up front. Compared to our midfield, we started with a midfield three of Kovacic, Kante and Jorginho. The gap between those players, oh my God. I don't know how he was ever expecting the ball to progress up the pitch. When you've got Azpilicueta and Alonso as your wing-backs, they're not really going to be shifting the ball up the pitch and carrying the ball large distances. So for me, the setup was all wrong. You could, I could have told you before the game it would have been all wrong. I don't know what Tuchel was thinking. And then he carried the same thing into midweek against Juventus. So... Maybe maybe it's just a blip. Maybe he's fallen out of love with a few players. Who knows? But yeah, already that performance not already, not good enough at all. Already there could be trouble in um, paradise between uh, the players and the manager. I don't think so. I, I think between certain players, because you're always going to get you know players who are unhappy with their their role within the squad. But some of the ones that are just confusing. The other ones that don't have any justification behind them. You know, you've, you've been playing Alonso for three, four weeks now and he's looked, you know, vulnerable, to put it mildly. And Chilwell's not got a sniff. Even in midweek rotation games, Alonso started every single one. I just don't understand those ones. Bring in players when players are out of form, when players need a rest. They're the sort of ones that I don't understand. So I don't think there's trouble in paradise, so to speak. But I think 
there are sort of, we might be in a little blip. Everything's gone a little bit stale. We need a good result. If we get a good result on the weekend against Southampton, yeah. fine. Yeah, it, think it, people will look past it. It will just be a little bump in the road. Two comments because they're one after another. Free world is Tuchel is one dimensional, Connor. And then we've got one from Kevo Sullivan. Far from trouble, a week is no time. Sides will blow hot and cold throughout the season. Which one do you agree with? Or you might agree with both um, that it is just a little, you know, hot and cold. You know, it's just a little period where Chelsea are in the mud and in the media for the wrong reasons. Or is Tuchel one dimensional now? Because he wasn't like this at Mainz. He wasn't like this at Dortmund for the no. first two seasons. Mm-hmm. It was only at PSG where we saw, you know, this is a bit more of a pragmatic Tuchel. And fair play, people were like applauding and saying, look, he can vary, you know, vary his sort of tactics and his philosophy and his ethos on teams. But, you know, and it got him to the Champions League final, which they narrowly missed out to a great Bayern Munich team that season. But is it, does he, does need, does he, should he be a little bit more expansive, a bit more flamboyant going forward? Well, it depends. I mean, the, the expectations and, you know, the, the boundaries are different at a club like PSG, at a club like Chelsea, as opposed to a Mainz and a Dortmund. You know, no disrespect to either of those clubs, but they're a different calibre of club and they have different aims. And that allows you to do different things. So, expecting someone to play with the sort of freedom that you play at at Dortmund or at Mainz, the job security is different for starters. So how can you expect, you know, Tuchel to take as many risks? That's why he came in straight away and, and shored up the defence with a back five. Um, it, because I, I feel like he he wanted some st- stability, some security. Um, but he's shown throughout his career that he is a tactically versatile manager and an adaptable and flexible one at that. I don't, if we're if we're labelling managers with the one-dimensional accusation, I think Tuchel should be one of the last managers in the world we point that finger at. Saying that, um, I think he has shown a bit of stubbornness in terms of team selection. He's shown quite a lot of rigidity in terms of formations and tactical options. Um, and that's definitely something that could be worked on. People have been saying since he came in, you know, he's a versatile manager. He'll he'll float between a back four and a back three. We've, we've yet to see a back four at Chelsea. We saw it for 15 minutes against Juve in the week. That's the only time I've seen it. So, would you go back to a four three three? Would you go back to a four three three, a conventional four three three? But then, saying that, I think Mount was a big miss against City. Mm-hmm. And, and would have been that link that up in to, there with your progressive yeah, that, midfield. Exactly. That's something that we need to bear into consideration. Is that these two games are the only two games under Tuchel's reign that Mount has been unavailable through injury. So, I mean, if you're looking for correlations, that's 100%, isn't it? Yeah. 100% of games without him, 100% losses. Um, and it's not as black and white as that, uh, but he is a really, really excellent link player between midfield and attack, and that's where we were vulnerable in, in those games. Um, but, yeah, you say, would you would you look to go back to a 4-3-3? I'd, looking at the personnel we have, other than central defenders and central midfielders, I don't see who this three-back, five-back formation benefits most doesn't benefit the wing-backs, doesn't benefit the forwards if you look at the way they're but playing. Chilwell back as a left-back, Reece mm-hmm. James as a right-back, and then you've got your um, Christensen, Silva, or you've got your um, your centre-backs, uh, Rudiger. Rudiger. Mm-hmm. And who's the but other? Are they, we haven't seen them perform at the level that they performed at in the last 12 months in a back four. So it's a big unknown. There's a comment from Alan C. Chelsea have a good squad, but if you looked at it, forensic... forensic foren- Forensically, it isn't all that. Wingers off form. Werner useless, limited CB cover, plus Kante in and out. I mm-hmm. mean, the one thing that sticks out is 
as Timo Werner. And we did think, well, I thought with Tuchel coming in, he will have that confidence to get the best out of uh, Timo. But again, it's not working out, is it? Mm-hmm. Is it one of those, along with the Ziyech as well, where come end of season, and I put uh, Havertz in this as well, and I wasn't... When you signed him, I thought it depends where he plays, but I'm not sure if he's a premiership player. That doesn't mean he's not a good player or won't go on to become a great player. I don't think he was suited to the premiership. And I do rate Kai Havertz. I've rated him since 2017 when he first broke through at Leverkusen. But is it one of those where next season you'd have to seriously analyze and maybe cut your losses on a Werner and a Ziyech and just get a genuine, you know, wide man, a bit like a Salah, you know, coming mm-hmm. off, you know, the right or the left and playing in a conventional 4-3-3. I think um, you mentioned cutting losses. I think Chelsea are a club that haven't done that well enough. We've done it in certain regards. And, you know, I mean, getting rid of Morata after two seasons, one where he was okay, the next where he was pretty average. We got rid of him after that. That ruthlessness is what makes elite clubs elite. The ability to trim your squad, something's not working out, cut them loose. Timo Werner, I mean, he's shown flashes and he's shown that he can be an effective player, sure. But we bought him to score goals. We bought him to look confident and clinical in front of goal and he doesn't do that. Would Werner thrive in a Liverpool team? I think or most do you just think there's a confidence issue with him? Or do you think he's just not cut out for the Premiership? Or do you think, think it's just you- a manager change? Well, I think if you took Werner right now and you dropped him in Liverpool right now after the season and a half that he's had, no, I don't think he'd do well because I think he's he's mentally so far from the level that he needs to be at. You can see, I mean, one of my favourite things watching Werner at Leipzig was the way he hit the ball. Mm. He'd get into little areas where, wherever in the pitch. He'd be a versatile finisher, left side, right side, he's central. Well from the left, yeah. Just hit it and he'd blast it into the roof of the net. I haven't seen him blast a finish since he came to Chelsea. What does that say? That you know, a player doesn't lose that overnight. How can you? Do you think? Was and Kev's just touched upon here. I won't read all of it, but um, plus without Giroud and Tammy to lighten the load, one 0 wins might be the way. Do you think you've missed Tammy as well? I would have kept Tammy. I've, I've been a big, big Tammy fan. I remember I got some flack from from your boys because I suggested getting Tammy in because Chelsea wanted to flog him. Um, and I think he's an underrated player in terms of link up. He's, a bit, he's the best player in Italy right now. If you yeah. go, off I mean that's not hard. Roma. Yeah, I mean, well, look at the look at the squads in Italy now. They've lost Ronaldo. They've lost Lukaku. I mean, it, what is it? It's between him and Lautaro. Is there any other standout yeah, talent in Serie? Rabich is a good player at Milan. Yeah. I like him. I like the look of him. I like the look of Brahim Diaz as well. I thought they played well against us at Anfield. Well, mm-hmm. I know we had all the possession, but the little glimpses that we did see of them, they were pretty impressive. But yeah. Tammy again, Giroud, maybe we kept one of one of the two. You know, mm. maybe. Yeah, I think a... Giroud. Giroud. I wouldn't have kept Giroud. I think he doesn't offer enough. Um, yeah, yeah, he scores goals occasionally. But in, in general play, you know, you, you picture Giroud as a link-up striker, someone that plays with their back to goal and they're a focal point. He's not that anymore. He's uh, he's good aerially. He's good attacking crosses with his feet and with his head. But for a top club, Giroud should be nowhere near the starting lineup. What by Judge Dredd? Werner could hit a hat-trick anytime soon. Needs a bit of luck and then the confidence will come. Do you believe that? No, I think that's no, a, little, I don't. a little posh. But you never know. It could be... You know what he reminds me of, Timo Werner, and Laura Duffy might remember, and Kevo Sullivan might remember, as an old sort of like, you know, my age lot might remember. Addy Akinboye, right, was playing at Leicester City, 
and he had a good goal scoring record from Wolves. So he comes and he's playing under Peter Taylor, uh, under 21's manager, but then he took over Leicester and they had a really good start. <laughs> but he couldn't score a goal. And everyone said, oh, he just needs a goal. He just needs a goal. And it had been like 15 or 16 games he couldn't score. So Akinbae literally scores a goal, Connor, right? It must have been like 2003 or 2004 season. He scores a goal, even before then. Scores a goal and he's got this body, right? Absolutely tanked, like incredible. I've seen whole. the picture, I think. You see yeah, the picture, right? Little, yeah, little dreads. Is that Phil's but Ronaldo's yeah. performance? Takes his yeah. shirt off, scores a goal, and then thought, everyone thought, oh, he's going to go on a run now. But he just <laughs> never hit the heights. But he was actually a good um, player in Championship Division One level. But I just remember that story, and it likens me to Tim O'Werner. Like, hopefully, he has that little moment that some strikers need where they'll score one. And then the goals will start flowing. But here's another one. Look from Ghost, um, who's one of the regulars. So thanks for tuning in, Ghost. <laughs> Werner is a German Gabriel. <laughs> I've seen this one before. And I mean, to the me... Pace is there, isn't it? They've probably got a similar pace, haven't they? Yeah, the pace is there. But Agbonahor was a much more rounded player. I think Dan Bailey's coming back to Leicester. Yeah, they had a great start under Peter Taylor. They were top of the league. And it was always that Akin Bailey moment where everyone just wanted... I think every opposition fan and rival fans wanted him to, to score a goal because they felt sorry for him. Because he was yeah. getting absolutely lashed, Connor. Yeah, I'll, But I've heard I'll this story you. before and I've seen it at my own club. And you'll know him very well. Fernando Torres. He came Torres, to Chelsea yeah. and he did what? I think it was 14, it was, 15 games until he scored his first goal, which in hindsight, that's a horrible record. It was, it? It was the knee injury that he suffered at Liverpool. Mm-hmm. That he, he would never was going to recover that pace. And if you look at the World Cup at 2010, I think he started the first game against um, Switzerland, which they lost 1-0. He was out. He, he didn't have that pace. He had lost it. Similar to what I think Mane has lost, that zip, you know, to get away from that last defender. Yeah. Um, Torres, when he went to you guys, I thought when we got that 50 million, I thought that was money. Like, you know, that was money well recouped. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's some great comments in um, Chelsea and we'll come to the big one as well. And we'll get a score prediction from you. 3-5-2 is the formation for Chelsea. The extra man in midfield and Werner plays great off another striker and so did Lukaku last season. Havertz works well as a shadow striker. Would you agree with that, Connor? Depends on the personnel. Um, I think Chelsea needs to have Mason Mount in their team if we're to have any semblance of success this season. He needs to be that link link player between the three in midfield and the two up top. So any three out of that five centrally should include Mason Mount, then yeah, fine. But the two... You or me? Sound? What's that sound? It's, it's a sort of rocking sound. Oh, it's gone now. Is that you clicking something? I'm perfectly still, mate. Yeah, Maybe you're you hearing things. Yes. A you're comment from Sam Sandy. It can take time with any players coming from abroad, but Lukaku will halt Werner's development, in my opinion. Can they play together? They should play together, I think. I don't think they occupy similar spaces, and I think they will well, would get the best out of each other if they were to play together. It's an interesting dynamic at Chelsea because we've got so many forwards that they just seem mismatched. How are you going to put them together? How do you fit in Havertz, Ziyech, Werner, Hudson-Odoi, Pulisic, Lukaku? They're, they're elite players, some of them, by their own right. But it's like we've gone out just name shopping. You know, you, you see the biggest player on the market and you think, I want him, I want him, without any regard for how you're going to piece them together. There that's where I think our failings are. There's a little sound. I think it's coming from you. It's a little, maybe it might be your headphones, AirPods. There's a little bit of a, like a rolling sound. But um, Slev, I thought it was Steven. Slevin L, I might, it might be Steven L. So I'm sorry if I've got your name wrong. What's mm. going on with Pulisic? Why ain't Kante starting games? Pulisic, is, he had COVID, didn't he? And then he's just not come back into the team, has he? I know to, um, when you guys bought Pulisic 
and he was sta- he was kept on for that six months. I know him and Tuchel fell out during that period at Dortmund. Then obviously mm-hmm. Pulisic gets his move and he plays under Lampard and whatnot. But there might be something in there as well. You feel between uh, Pulisic and Tuchel, but yeah, Christian Pulisic he'll be brilliant from the left. No, him on the left, Lukaku, and then a mount on the right, but then alternate mount and maybe drop him back as well. I think I think Pulisic has got a, a brilliant skill set, but he's injured at the moment, so we can't just say, "Oh, there's a falling out there." Uh, he's been was, injured for a while. Laura Duffy, uh, brilliant. It was like Chelsea picked names out of a bag. I agree with that wholeheartedly because there's there's no thinking behind it. There's no logic behind it. There's no logic that would suggest that players like Havertz and Lukaku can play together. You know, they play, they occupy the exact same spaces. Um, someone like, why have we got Havertz and Ziyech? You know, I, I don't understand it really, unless you're playing Havertz as a centre forward. In that case, why do you have Lukaku? Don't get it. Go on, then 20 minutes in, that's enough of Chelsea. Give us a prediction. Yeah. Give us Please. a prediction. Uh, one one. I'm gonna say. Wow, not you're not result. even gonna back your own team there. I, th- I think we're in bad form. I think we're in bad form. I think um, the uh, the results haven't been good recently. I think Southampton are quite an underrated team, and Hassan Hubel. You know what? They good, played good well at the Etihad two weeks ago, and I thought they were they should have won that game. I thought they had some good chances. Um, I'm gonna go with you're gonna go with a one one. Really, you're not backing mm-hmm. your own yeah. team. Here. You don't want you don't no, have to you don't have to appease the people in the comments. You know they know. No, this is, this is from the heart. Don't worry. This is from the I, heart. No, I, I fancy Hassan Hutel as well to get a result against uh, you boys tomorrow. It is at Stamford Bridge, isn't it? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, you're yeah. right. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, I think it will be a score draw as well. I think it will be a one-one. Oh no, no, no! That's a cop out. You can't have it. You can't have it. Sorry. Well, I don't think Southampton are good enough to beat them. I don't think you lot will get... I don't think you lot will score the second. We'll go for a 2-2 two, two, then. You can't have a 1-1. One, one. You know, I'll go with a 1-0 Chelsea. I think they'll okay. get a result. I, I think yeah, they'll get a result. You made, me say, you made me say that, by the way. Let's go on to the big one. The one that really matters. And then there's another game that I want to cover because um, Rafa is going to Old Trafford as well tomorrow, early hours of the morning for me. But Liverpool City... Um, Connor, would, it, would you agree that these two have been the two best teams in the last four years in the Premiership. So forget well, about last years. season. I know we finished third, but would you say in the last four years, these two teams have really been the best in probably... I know we had Arsenal United during the 90s and early 2000s, but I really think the quality that we saw in the 2018 and 19 season, and I know City won the league by a point, that season, that 38-game season, I've never seen anything like that in terms of quality and the way that these teams went man for man, one another, go against each other, and they just took it right to the last day. I mean, I know we had Blackburn and United when we beat Kenny's Blackburn and you know they still went on to win the league because West Ham drew against United. But in terms of quality and in terms of like we were pushing City, City were pushing us, and then that company goal against Leicester, which we thought, mm-hmm. you know what, that was the game really where if we were ever going to win it, we needed them to slip up, but they didn't. Do you feel that that season was one of the finest seasons in your life? Because I know you're still young, so you're still like what, 17. But you still <laughs> think that that season was one of the best seasons that you've seen as a sort of neutral fan? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, there have there have been similar, similar levels, I think. Um, and I think we have to consider that the quality of the teams will vary. Uh, so I think I think the golfing class between those two teams and the rest of the pack was more significant than I've ever seen. Um, 
but that's not to say that they were the highest quality teams. Um, and just thinking back to, well, there have been some really quality teams, you know, that, that United team of sort of 2007 to 2010, that team was a quality team. Um, Ronaldo, Tevez, Rooney. Yeah. Berbatov Argreaves, in full flow. Hargreaves in that 2000, was it when they won the Champions League? Was that 2009 when they beat Chelsea? In, no, I don't remind Russia. me of that one. No, that broke that, my heart that, as a kid. I came home from school season, on a Wednesday. That one season from Owen Hargreaves, though, he was phenomenal. He was the mm-hmm. perfect player for their system. And it's just unfortunate that a player of his quality just got injured. But I just want to come up to this um, point. Liverpool and City have set record points tally past past few years. By far the highest quality of football due to two of the best managers to ever be in the game. Would you agree with that, Connor? I would. I would. Um but I think football evolves. So you have to judge a team by the area that they, they reside within. Because um, I don't think that you can say that Klopp of, as of, you know, when was your, when was your prime under Klopp? 2018, 2019? 2018 to 20, when we won the league, 2020, yeah. What was yeah, well, I still think well, we are in our prime. Last season was... A season disrupted by injuries. Look at us. This you can't season. say you're at your prime. You can't say you're at your, in your prime now. You look, you oh, look at Marnie oh, now. Oh, you look oh, at Firmino now, as as opposed to three years ago. I mean, those players were electric. Look, they were top I'm, I'm, of the world. Uh, okay, but Connor, if you're talking about prime, you talk about a manager's legacy. Say, uh, say Klopp stays here till 2024. 20, 2024 is when his contract um, okay. officially is over, right? So you will look at that era, era and you'll think, okay, when were they most successful? So I'm going off the basis of our first trophy was actually in 2019. But some would argue that that 2017-18, that last six months, that run up into the Champions League final, you know, that could have started off with the prime and then, you know, uh, gone on until when we won the league. Yeah. So it depends on how we um, talk about prime. But for me, I think the first two years, it was all about Klopp getting the team ready you know, smart business in the market. And then, you know, leading up to the Kiev final, then the season after, season after. And then it was only real, it was only really last season up until January when we started getting injuries and our form just dipped that we were still, we were still title contenders. You know, when we beat Palace 7-0, we were still title contenders, uh, Connor. Yeah, I suppose. But that was early in the season. Season was in its infancy. When you talk about... Um, the primes, the, the Liverpool team's prime under Klopp. For me, I judge seasons and I remember seasons by the kits that they were wearing. Um, that's that's just how it sticks in my mind. Not notable games, not notable, you know, silverware or whatever. It's just the kits that they wear. And for me, it was the kit, the season when you had the kit with the white collar that came down like this. Um, it might have been 2018. It's the season when you came second with the 95 points. 95 points, and you got to the final in Kiev. 2019, 2018-2019 season. Yeah, That was when I think Liverpool were at their prime. In terms of watchability, uh, in terms of player prime, and in terms of sort of team cohesion, that's when you were my favourite side to watch. I preferred Liverpool to City that season. And it's it's not a question, I'm not here to, um, you know, rile you up or wind you up. (laughs) What's coming? Are you a little bit jealous of the way we play football and the way Klopp has sort of, you know, come in and stamped his authority on the Premiership. Forget about Liverpool for a second, but on the Premiership, you know, the, the control that he kind of has with the media, you know, the way he sort of gets on with everyone. You know, there was a bit of a period last 
season where, you know, he was starting to get a little bit sort of, you know, pissed off with the questions that were being aimed at him uh, during press conferences and whatnot. But are we a team that you'd like us, you would like Chelsea to have, you know, playing expansive football? Because I don't think you've ever had that. You know, Mourinho had Robin, you had Dove, Sean Wright Phillips, you had Drogba, but the way we play football, the way City play football, you know, it's very much like, you know, if, if people want to go toe-to-toe with us, we can play toe-to-toe like we did last Saturday with Brentford. You know, it bit us in the arse in the end, but, you know, we can play that kind of expansive football. Are we a team that you think, you know what, I wish Chelsea had that about us. I, I wish we weren't this pragmatic under Tuchel. Yes, it brings trophies like it has done. It's brought you the, you know, Champions League, the Super Cup, and probably the World Club Championship when you go off in December. But are we a team that you're sort of like, yeah, I wish, I wish we were like that? Oh, I mean, put me under the cosh here. Uh, in some regards, I'd say yes, but in other regards, absolutely not. Um, because clubs have their own identities. And um, since the Roman Abramovich era started, and I mean, R- Mourinho really was the one who created the traction behind this. Chelsea's sort of winning mentality, I suppose, and their style has it's always come from that sort of siege mentality, that sort of right defend first attack later, absorb the pressure and counter quickly, that sort of thing. And that's our club's identity. And I would, wouldn't do anything to, to detract from that. Um, we've, we've always heard this sort of idea that Abramovich is desperate for free flowing attacking football, possession football, all this. At some point you just got to recognize what works for us as a club, what's ingrained in, you know, the the sort of hearts and the minds of the players, because that sort of thing does get passed down through through generations of players. Um, and I think Chelsea, at least for the foreseeable, will be that type of club to absorb the pressure, to play in a defensive, pragmatic way. Um, and if it yields results, then fine. But there are certain things that I will happily admit that I'm envious of Liverpool for. And one of them is Jurgen Klopp. I mean, you would have to be the most biased, agenda-driven fan in all of football. What was your admit. thoughts when you first? Because because I've known you for a long time now. I'm not going <laughs> to call you up on this. But what was your first thoughts when? Um, I'm pretty sure we were at a certain hotel, uh, mm-hmm. just like walking, and I asked your opinion of what do you reckon of Klopp, uh, Connor coming to Liverpool. What was your first thoughts? Go on. <laughs> I didn't think he was up to the level, to be honest. I thought he's a charismatic fella and uh, I thought he suited Liverpool well. A half and puff, didn't you? You thought he was a bit of a half and puff. Yeah. Uh, yeah he's yeah, a bit exactly. animated. You know, he's not going to have you. I don't see it, you know. A, a bit of a Mourinho wannabe at Top four at best. Normal yeah. one. I did I did think so. Yeah, I did think so. Are you, are you remembering quotes back from 2014 or whenever it was? I don't know how you've done that. I've got, I've got, I remember your thoughts exactly. You were like, I don't think he'll take you to that level. Yeah, oh, I think but I think season. that a lot of that came from the season that he just had at Dortmund. Dortmund. You know, they were they were what was this sixteenth at, at a certain they were, point? That I team was shattered though. That team was shattered. They were yeah, players it run that its should course. have been. Yeah, it, yeah, run its course exactly. That. And that's one thing that I fear. Come end of twenty twenty four, if Klopp decides to hang up his boots, you know, or just you know, walk away, that we haven't got players that have sort of been there from the start till the finish. You know, no disrespect to the Hendos to the Bobbies, the James Milners, but, you know, I hope there is a succession plan. And I think we're seeing it slowly, slowly with sort of like Trent, you know, Curtis Jones, which we'll come on to, Harvey Elliott, you know, Gomez, still very young, Ibu uh, Kanate, 
you know, and a couple more in the uh, academy that I've got high hopes for. So there is a sort of plan, but obviously fans want shiny new toys. They want new transfers. But coming back to the game, how do you see this? Do you see Liverpool winning? Is it a game that neither team can afford to lose so mm. early on? Or do you think there will be plenty of points dropped throughout the season? I think it's going to be another tight season. I think it's going to be another one of those ones where to win the league, you probably need 90 points, I think. You think you think 90 wins it or 90 plus? I think 90 wins it. I think it'll be low 90s. The champion will end up with low 90s, maybe 92 or something like that. Um, this game is going to be so interesting, I'll tell you that for one, um, because I think Liverpool have been the best attacking side in the league this year. I think Kev uh, mentioned that we scored three in the we scored three goals in the last six games consecutively yeah. in the Champions League as well. Yeah. And in the league. Three or more, I suppose, yeah. Three or more, yeah. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've been you've been brilliant. And it took a while. It took a little bit of time for it to click. I remember in the early stages of the season, it looked a little bit a little so bit it's, rusty. It's, like it's only been four weeks. You, uh, yeah, I know, but the first game. couple. The first yeah, couple, first it, couple it looked as though, you know, it might take a bit of time for you guys to grow into your into the swing of things. But now you guys look un- pretty close to unstoppable. But so does City. To, for me, it's by far and comfortably the best two sides. Did they need a nine? Did they yeah. need a nine in the summer? Mm. Did they need a Harry Kane? In the summer, definitely, I'd say. Um, but there are ways around it. I think that this is the reason I wanted to come onto it. This is the reason I think they might struggle this week is because if you're playing without a nine, you need Gundogan pushed forward. Because they did it last season. They sort of spread. They started with sort of Sterling or someone or Ferran Torres in the central role. And they'll push him wide and Gundogan will fill that little gap. And they end up with four and they end up with four at the front, two wingers and then Sterling and Gundogan, Gundogan just hanging around the edge of the box. And that's dangerous. He's out for Sunday, He's out for Sunday though. Exactly. So yeah. I think they'll struggle because of that. But, but they didn't struggle against Chelsea. I think, I think they'll play with the double pivot. I, we were mentioning it yesterday on Khan. I think he'll go Rodri, Fernandinho, De Bruyne. No. He'll play Foden in a false nine. A bit similar to mm. how he did with Chelsea. A floating nine, if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't think he'll play a double double pivot though. I think it would just stick with Rodri. Um, oh, it's, it's tough though because other than Rodri, who are their sort of defined central midfielders? Rodri and Fernandinho. Then they played De Bruyne in there. They played Bernardo in there. Bernardo's yeah, undroppable. He played because yeah, he's he was, been he was brilliant last week. He yeah. was top notch. Work rate was phenomenal. Got the ball, gave the ball like quick passing, incisive. Mm-hmm. He was one of the top performers last last week. I thought I thought he was brilliant. Yeah, agreed, agreed. But then someone I want to come on to is Jack Grealish. Now, what would you make of his start so far as City? Because I think he's had he's had expectations on him and he's performed well in some games. But for me, he's not reached the heights that I was anticipating. First of all, forget about the price tag. Forget about the 100 million. Don't care how much they spent. They're going to spend that kind of money. I think he's a fantastic footballer, Connor. I really think he's top draw. He's the closest thing that we have to a Gascoigne, a Maverick. And you probably won't know, you probably didn't see enough of Gascoigne. Um, but Gascoigne of sort of Lazio, you know, I, I didn't see enough of him. I, I hardly ever remember his birthdays only on YouTube, but Lazio, Rangers, you know, the goal against Scotland, he was a Maverick. You know, he could turn up with a piece of like magic out of anywhere. And Grealish is like that. The only thing with Grealish is he hasn't, similar to Gascoigne, he hasn't got natural pace. He's quick with the ball, if that makes sense. And he can't sort of, he can't get away. Like Milner, I said it yesterday, I think Milner will be fine playing against him. 
And there were a few heads who were like, Are you sure? I said, yeah, I said, it's fine. As long as he doesn't pick up a yellow card, James Milner will be fine against Jack Grealish because Jack Grealish will, he'll draw the foul. He will, he loves drawing fouls. That's what he does. It's one of his we'll, best traits. And, but that's one of Milner's worst is that he's, he's rash and he dives in sometimes. And Connor, if you go back to the Palace game, his first yellow card and he was playing up against a Zaha and they look dangerous Palace at times was in the 77th minute. So he has got that, you know, he's an intelligent player, James Milner. So I think that he'll be fine. But Jack Grealish, I think Kev says, Kev says, look, Gaza was unplayable um, prior to his injury. Yeah, he had, two bad, he, has, he had a bad injury at Lazio or ACL, I think, or Crucia. But Jack Grealish, on his day, he is unplayable. He, I think he's had a good start. I think he's had a good start. I'm not going to say he's had he's been a flop because he hasn't. I wouldn't say he's been average. He's had a good start in the City team. And he's still learning about the role as well. And you know Pep demands a lot. Pep demands a lot. You can see him constantly speaking to him, Mares. You know, sometimes it's for the camera. We all know that. But you can see already that he's learning. He's picking up things that he wouldn't have picked up at Villa. Although I do rate Dean Smith as well. I think he's done a fantastic job at Villa. Yeah, well, I agree in some regard, but I don't really. I won't lie. Uh, I think Grealish has been poor relative to expectation. He's had six games. Yeah, I know. He's had six games and he's looked good in maybe one of them against Leipzig in the Champions League. I don't think he, at Villa, he was the focal point and he had the sort of creative license to be able to drift around and, you know, he had the freedom to roam the pitch. Uh, he could drift centrally, he could go to left. It almost reminds me of Aiden Hazard at Real Madrid. He seems confined to a certain area um, and and that sort of restricting his ability to play his own game. He's not taking on players. He's doing that. That same thing where he sort of dribbles with the ball and then he cuts back and then he'll pass it back, pass it inside to, to Bernardo or back to Zinchenko. But we know that he Pep likes to mould players. He likes to mould players. He did that with mm-hmm. Philip Lahm. You know, Lahm was a fullback and then Pep says, no, I've seen something, I've identified something in you and you're going to go into a DM role. You know, Philip Lahm was 5'6". He was probably the same height as me, 5'5", five, 5'6". Five, five, he turned him into a DM, a successful DM. Mm-hmm. Right? Look what he did with Joshua Kimmich. You know, he, he likes to mould players. So it might be a role that we might not be used to or the, you know, the daring or the flamboyant Jack Grealish that we saw at Villa. It might just be a more controlled role, if that makes sense. you got to remember yeah. when he took charge of City, what he did with Sterling. Sterling was hitting record numbers only mm-hmm. when Pep took over. Um, Sterling wasn't pulling up any uh, trees at, uh, under Pellegrino, Pellegrini. You know, he was okay, but he wasn't yeah, scoring he was- the goals he was under Pep. Sure, he elevated his game, but then you know there have oh, been players oh, that oh, haven't. He's five seven. He's uh, he's he's quite a yeah, few another just one. taller than me. Then so thanks, Laura. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for dropping that in, Laura. Yeah, yeah another on. one. Unlucky, unlucky. Um, but yeah, you say, oh well, he's in, he's improved Sterling. Just because he's improved one player doesn't mean he can't improve, or it doesn't mean he'll improve every player. Um, I saw the rumors at the start of the season that he envisaged Jack as a as a number eight. And I was really looking forward to that because I think he's a player who is so creative with his passing. I think that's his best attribute. People talk about his dribbling. He's the best dribbler in the league, rah, 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 all of this. I don't think he is. Um, I think he's okay in tight spaces. I think he's okay, you know, maneuvering around defenders. But it's, it's his creativity and passing that are the best things. Do you want to read this out? Hey, me and you both. Jody Morris, he's who I uh, modeled my game on. Tough tackling, deep lying. I actually know who this A-Dread is, but I won't um, expose him now. The best DMs are typically you, I have Kante, Mash, (laughs) Jody Morris. Brilliant, brilliant. Here's another one. (laughs) Fucking hell. I might adopt that one. 
fact about Lam, his nickname is the Magic Dwarf. Well, luckily, I haven't been called the Dwarf yet. So, um, yeah, that's brilliant, though. Um, oh, another one to add to that list. Claude Makaleli. He was a little fellow, oh, wasn't he? Brilliant, brilliant player. Five, seven. Phenomenal player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, yeah, it's making sense now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. All the that's where I play like... as well. That's where I play. No, Unless... you're, you're not a footballer. You're not actually not a footballer. You're I'm a deep-lying midfielder. You're okay. Anyway, give us a prediction. Look, we've got to get the show on the road. Come on. Uh, uh, Liverpool City, come on. I've gone. I went yesterday with 3-1. I went 3-1 and Jota Brace. And I think it'll be a, it'll be a really good game. I, I said it'll be a KG first, 15-20. As soon as there's a goal, sparks will fly off. But go on. Mm-hmm. I'm going to... Um anger the masses in the comments you know everyone's looking forward to a big game good game creative attacking football nil nil for me i think they're going to shut each other out and they'll be too afraid of losing to even chance on winning you don't think there's going to be a goal on saturday no 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 wow i believe the 2018-19 game at anfield was a nil no marvez missed the penalty i think the last three four minutes of the game i think virgil went in for signing um all right, let's have a little bit of a break because we're going to talk about the top European players, uh, top informed players. You created a list. I created a list. Um, we can talk about the obvious, uh, the Haaland's and the Mbappe's and the Cristiano's and Salah's, but we're not going to. We've gone sort of outside the box, but not too out, too much outside the box. I'll give my first name, Connor. Leroy Sane um, had a bad ACL injury. Looks as if now he's in the form of his life. You know, the last six, seven games, assists, goals, scored an absolute beauty of a goal on Wednesday, was it? Not sure if the keeper could have done much by us, but the swerve on that ball, <laughs> it was exceptional. He's one of the players for me. Um, your thoughts on Leroy Sane and then give me your list as well. <laughs> I mean, firstly, you say he scored a wonder goal or whatever it was. That was a cross. I mean, I saw the replay. He picks his head up and he goes... And he looks directly across into the box at Lewandowski and then he just chips it straight over the keeper's head. Unless he is the greatest player alive right now, there's no way he placed that intentionally. That was a cross. But that's beside the point. Uh, yeah, Sonny's been in good form. And I think the... Sorry if you're getting my dishwasher beeping like mad. Um, I think the secret behind it is they've moved him from the right to the left. Left, yeah. He was, he was playing on the left under Guardiola and I remember seeing a stat uh, Grace Robertson tweeted on Twitter... Um, that he had the best finishing in terms of sort of expected goals against the shot location. He had the best finishing of anyone in that pocket of space, barring Lionel Messi, and that was it. Um, so he's obviously got a niche there. I know he scored that exact same goal against Liverpool, didn't he? In that top quality season we were talking about, 2018-19, where he just shifted onto his left, hit it far post uh, across the keeper. That was the winner. That, that, was, that was the winner. That was the title clincher that game, to be honest. And that was a high quality goal to settle a high quality game. A goal game know, of the, the season. That was that two one game of the yeah, season. We scored so. probably the goal of the season. That goal consisted of like twenty four. Laura, find out how many passes that was, and then it was Trent on his left who shifted it to, to Robbo, Robbo, and then for Bobby. Brilliant. Yeah, See, you watch the mm-hmm. games. You're mm-hmm. a uh, you're an adopted uh, LOC fan. Give Absolutely me your not. give me your name, and then we'll go with the rest of the list. So Leroy Sane. Uh, my first one would be Unkunku at uh, Leipzig. Leipzig yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's not just based on Champions League performances because I know he's got five goals in two games, maybe. I think. Uh, did he get a brace in the last game? I'm not sure. I know he got a hat against City, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he scored against City. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he's done well and he's looked good in the Bundesliga as well. Leipzig, I know they're not doing... Yeah, Jesse Marsh, he's not really... Uh, a, they lost to Bruges as well. You, you just think whether the board at Leipzig will give him time because that Ralph Rangnick is a bit of a dick, basically. Rangnick's so, gone. He's, a, he's at Locomotive Moscow is now. He not, is he still not in, the ambas- in that ambassador? He's not, is he? He's not no, no, no. So he's like a director of football at oh, okay. Locomotive Moscow, yeah. So yeah, he, probably, he might get a season then. But he needs to start changing that uh, team fast because it's not worked out so far. Mm-hmm. But in Kuku, you uh, like the look of him then? I like the look of Nkunku and I like the look of Soboslai as well at um, Leipzig, Leipzig. The two of them, quality players. Both The thing that I look for in attacking players, and we were talking about it before with Werner, is just the ability to hit a ball. I, I, if, what, if my strikers can't smack the ball, can, can't leather it into the top of the net, I don't want them. And players like Nkunku and players like Soboslai... They can leather a ball, yeah, so they can hit a ball, can hit a ball for yards as well, and make exactly. it swerve and you know go in all sorts of googly exactly directions. modern ball strikers. Your next player, Kareem Adeyemi. Now this is an interesting mm. one because there's a lot of talk amongst the Twitterati um, that Liverpool have an interest in Kareem Adeyemi. He is 19. You know, he originally came from the excellent school of Bayern Munich, the academy. Then he gets comes over to Austria and then he's playing regularly now. He's won five penalties already in two Champions League games. Must be a record. Mm. Uh, <laughs> someone wants to confirm that in the comments. I think he's a good, good player. But if there is any inkling that we do want Eddie Emi, then you do feel that we need to do a deal in January. And then you're probably wanting Salzburg to be out of the Champions League as well by then. So, yeah, he's, he's, he's definitely... Um, He's definitely one player that I would definitely take, you know, for that next sort of succession planning at Liverpool Football Club. Your thoughts on uh, Eddie Emi? He looks good. He looks direct. He looks clinical. He looks like the type of player that would suit Liverpool to a T. Um, but where where does he play? Because I know he's Off played the right. a he mix between... A nine. Yeah. Exactly, between a nine and a wide forward. Wide so forward. obviously in the Liverpool setup, I'd probably envisage him as being a wide forward, right? Because you're nine doesn't forward, play probably, like a nine. He can play as a nine, though. He can play as nine. He's, well, he's not going to display his salary, is he? But what he, he is, is, a player, is he's, he's a runner. He's a runner yeah. either side. He exploits space really, really well, like your wide forwards do. He doesn't drop back. He's not, he's not yet, anyway, refined with his passing and his pass selection. So... I don't, I don't see him dropping in as a, as a nine for you guys. Uh, but as a wide forward rotation option, sure. I think you've got good ones already with Jota and Harvey Elliott. You know, you know, imagining that he comes back to previous levels. What have you made of? Um, come back to Liverpool. What have you made of Curtis Jones? I think um, he's had a lot of stick, unnecessary stick, especially from his own fans. Actually, I think we live in a world now where. Like you said earlier, player uh, fans want the newest, shiniest toy to add to their collection. Um, and someone like Curtis Jones might not be the most fashionable player, but I think that's a lot. A lot of that is to do with how he's been utilised by Klopp. Um, I think he is better in an attacking setup. I watched him in the youth team, and he played in a much more attacking role without the defensive responsibility. And he was amazing. He was a standout player, and everyone thought, "God, this guy's going to the top." And he's coming to Liverpool and he's not hit the ground running completely. His minutes have been somewhat sporadic and people have been like, right, well, he's not Liverpool quality, so get him out. I think he is a perfect player to have in your squad. He can be a game changer from the bench. He can influence games from the start. 
and he's a different profile to the rest of your midfield. So I think you found a gem with him. What do you think? I know you've, you've been a big fan from from very very early on. Actually, I mean, yeah, Raven. Wanna, I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to boast. Um, and I'll drop another name as well for the next two three years. Another name to look out for. Um, yeah, I love Curtis Jones. I always have. I love the arrogance in him in the academy. The mm-hmm. and he had intelligence then. It was application and attitude, and every youngster needs that, you know. And I'm going to sound like Brendan now because Brendan, I remember when we did that program, all or nothing for Liverpool, and he goes to one of the players, you know, application attitude is what you need to, you know. Then he goes off on Raheem Sterling, and says, "You talk to me like that again, son, you'll be out. You know, you'll be on the first flight back." But um, no, I think Curtis Jones is a he, he's. He's what these youngsters say, baller. Um, I think he's a brilliant footballer. He's a, he's a brilliant footballer with a great footballing brain. You know, he doesn't get enough credit for that. He's got a lot of intelligence up here, and that's what you need. Um, yeah, for me, he will start on Sunday. And mm-hmm. I fancy, I, I think he could score as well. I fancy seeing him as a progressive player in the team on Sunday as well. But on to our third option. I know there's some names going out. Florian Wirtz, uh, Sam Thandy. Yeah, he's been brilliant for Leverkusen. Mm-hmm. This one's been brilliant from Rutten, um, Vinicius Jr., who's been absolutely exploding everywhere um, on uh, for, for Real Madrid, being on top form. Yep. Um, and look, with every player that you do, rate, there are always going to be one that you will fair <laughs> on. And yes, Jonathan, whoever you are, um, wasn't Abby a big fan of... I was a massive fan of Rian Brewster pre-ankle injury. He was brilliant. Oh, he was the under-17 World Cup winner. Top scorer, same tournament as Sancho. They all played. Um, who else played mm-hmm. that tournament? Hudson Adoy, Foden. Hudson, yeah, Foden, Hudson Adoy. Lewis Cook at Leeds, I think he is. Leeds, yeah. Um, yeah, Rian Brewster born. was a good, good player and he had that pace, but it doesn't seem to have worked out for him. But there was another player to look out for in the next two, three years, Harvey Blair. We've got him from United, we've nicked him from United basically, but he's another name. Um, and we've got the Balagizes and stuff who are coming through and the Kate Gordons, mm. but Harvey Blair is one to look out for. He's what about a um, uh, Bobby Duncan? What's happening to him nowadays? I remember you ranting on Bobby. You fucking exposing, exposing me now. Bobby Duncan, yeah. look, again, Bobby Duncan, again, it's attitude and application, isn't it? It comes to that. He mm. wanted to, he thought he was too big and he didn't want to play for the reserves or the academy level anymore. He thought, no, I, you know, I can get first team football. His agent was, who was it? Saif Ruby, wasn't it? Putting it out that he's having mental issues and that. And that's not something to be joked about. You know, if you're going to say, oh, this player is suffering with mental health because we're restraining him or we're keeping him at his will. I think that's that's really bad and it's distasteful mm-hmm. because there are people out there who are suffering. But he goes to Fiorentina, doesn't do much there, comes back to Derby. He was going to go to Denmark, I believe, not for Michelin, another club in Denmark. Didn't get that deal didn't happen this summer. So I think he's back in limbo um, at Derby. So, um, yeah, he's... Uh, I mean, he's, ultimately, it's a big shame, isn't it? Because he was a talented young boy, good striker, looked good Stephen all Gerard's the way cousin. through. Stevie G's cousin as well. Oh, so maybe there's a bit of uh, nepotism in there that got him his place. No, no, no. He was a talented kid. He came from City. He's scoring bag. He scored like 30 goals um, for us. He won the Youth Cup in which he scored in the final against... Um, City as well. He scored against City in the final of the Youth Cup. And then, you know, he goes off. We take him on to a pre-season tour to France. I think to the US as well. He does. He scores. He scored a goal against Tranmere. 
Glatzel, who was his strike partner, was in that team as well. And then that's it. He thinks he wants to, um, you know, he wants to play first team football at the age of 18, 19. It was never going to happen. But, you know, he wanted to go and look, good luck to the fella. I will never have any hate. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want anyone in the comments saying he deserved what he gets. He, he Look, they're young footballers. You know, they make decisions. The agents make decisions for them. You do hope that he can carve out a nice career for himself. But, yeah, I think, Laura, is that the club that he's... Oh, I, I, I was going to say... Vejle <laughs> Bold Club. I'm going to go with Vejle Ve, Ve, Bold Club. Vejle Bold Club. But... Yeah, and the the third name. I'll let you have your third name. Who's your third name? And we'll go with the last name for me. Um, um, I'm I'm tied between two. Um, one who I'm a bit dubious to say because he's been a shining star in a pile of shit, and that's um, Ronald Araujo at Barca. I think he's yeah. been a very good player, and I, I think centre showed... back. Centre back. Yeah, the... yeah, yeah. Centre back. A dominant centre back. Good player and technically proficient as well. Um, and I think he was very good last season as well with them but he just didn't get the plaudits that he deserved. And he was dropped a lot for Clement Longley, who is never, ever, never has been close to Barcelona. He spent 30 million on him. Mental, absolutely mental. And then I'll move on to my other one. I'll get four in. Um, it will be Max Kakare, Max Hans Kakare at Lyon. Lyon. Yeah. Good little player. Another one of those little DMs. He's about 5'8", five, 5'9", five, I think. Him and that Bruno Gumarej. Gumarej. <laughs> I think Gimaraish. I think he nailed that one actually. I think Gimaraish. he did. I would say Gimaraish. Gimaraish would be my pronunciation, but I am not Brazilian. Uh, hold on, um, hold on, Josh. Josh Joseph, please put fans in the stream. Josh, if you want to come on anytime, just DM me on Twitter. If you want in next Friday, what we what we can do next Friday, if there's three, four people who want, we'll be joined by Kev next week, and we'll have a fourth screen. Any fan that wants to come on and just express their views, give me a bit of shit. Um, give Connor a bit of slack. Um, I won't let you guys have any ill word towards Kev because Kev's brilliant. Um, but yeah, if you want to come on, Josh, just uh, DM me and then I'll give you the stream link and you can come on. No issues at all whatsoever. Um, great to have fans on and interacting. So there you go. No problems, mate. Just DM me. Um, but yeah, you final player, Maximus Kakare. I think he'll get a big move to a uh, top, probably top six club in England or. Um, someone like Bayern maybe looking for a succession for, well, I mean, they probably don't need succession plans for someone like Kimmich or Goretzka. Um, oh, you had four, you had four. No, no, stop it, stop it. Okay, fine, fine. The, but Max Kakare and Ronald Araujo, there the we man go. In, the, man in, the man in Europe right now is Amin Guri. Love him. Plays <laughs> for Nice. He's actually, Nice is actually my second team. I've just bought the jersey. Should be here in the post actually today or tomorrow. Um, waiting. They kick off tomorrow at 12 midday. Go and watch him. Go and watch Christophe Gaultier's uh, niece. They're playing good football. He's just taken over. They're scoring some good goals, um, good team goals. And Amin Goudi was playing more on the left last season, but he's coming through the middle now. And he's a player next season. He won't be at Nice. He will yeah. be at a top, top club. And I hope, I really do hope that he's at Liverpool because he's one player that oh, I'll take a punt on. <laughs> See, I, I, I thought he was a central player. I thought he was like a, a false nine type Originally player. Originally at Lyon in the up. academy, he was a nine, but then he got shifted mm. to the left and now he's come back into the nine. So There we go. Yeah. So he looks like the type of player exactly that Liverpool would, would look to. Because they, they do need a succession for Firmino, don't they? And was he approaching 30 now, if not there already? He's what? Firmino. He must be 30. He's 30. Uh, is it 2nd of October? I think tomorrow is his birthday. So happy birthday to uh, Bobby. If Just you're watching, Bobby. Yeah, Bobby. Feliz yeah. cumpleaños. He, he, he says he watches like 
Friday show a little bit, you there know, highlights and whatnot. Paul Smith, Ryan Shirk is another one up and coming from Leon. Yep. Great mm-hmm. system that Leon have got. If you look at the players that they used to produce or have at their disposal, Kareem Benzema, Ben Arthur, they had um, Mamadou Diara, Mikel Essien, they had. I don't think they came SCN. to the academy, though. Janino Perampagano, that one who used to score those free kicks. Pernambucano, yeah, yeah. You like these free <laughs> kicks, didn't you? A bit like Hachin, Hachin, Kachaladnaglu, what's his name? <laughs> There you go. There you go. But look, listen, last prediction. Um, United Everton, go on. Does Rafa get a result at Old Trafford? Are no, United no. lucky? Is oh, Ronaldo's no. comeback has it been brilliant? Has it you know, or is he just getting these lucky goals in? Ronaldo's Ronaldo, he gets lucky goals. You know, the commentators always say, Oh, well, there's he's not got lucky there, it's just predatory instincts. Um, no, he's he's got lucky. He's got very lucky. I think four of his five goals have been rebounds, for God's sake. Yep. Um, but saying that, I, I still back him to score on the weekend. Uh, and I still back United to win on the weekend. I'm going 2-0 United. Oh, you think, uh, you think, you think they'll be, um... Rafa's Everton. I mean, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I do. I don't know why that's a... No, that's it's, not long... a no it's not a shocker. I think Rafa will get a result. I really do. I don't think... Look... It's one of those ones. I want United to lose. Of course I do every week, but I want Oli to be in the job as well. So it's one of those hard ones. You know, I don't mind if Oli picks up a few wins, but I think Evan will get, I think Evan will play well tomorrow. I think they'll get a draw. If not, I think they'll win. I think they'll wow. sneak in a one nil or a two one win. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're without, I think they are without Richarlison. And I think Calvert Lewin is in light training, but. It is a game that I'll definitely be up for four thirty. I think as well. Um, so they've not got Calvert Lewin or Richarlison. Neither of the Richard, two. I think Richarlison is out, and then uh, Calvert Lewin didn't start the last game. He came on, didn't he? So I don't think he's fit. Well, I think he'll probably start then if Richarlison's out, because otherwise, who are they going to start centrally? Or they'll go with who have they got? They've got um, who are they for? Cheng Tosin. Have they got him still? No, they haven't got Cheng Tosin. Cheng Tosin. <laughs> who have they got? <laughs> yeah, forwards. Who did they um, play last week? He scored, he scored as well for Everton. Um, Damari Gray? Uh, no, yeah, Damari Gray, Townsend. That's two. Arondon, Salomon Rondon. Jonathan, thank you. We were linked with him as well, Salomon Rondon. Good player. He holds the ball. Yeah, good player for a 35 round. He's good. Yeah. But I'm going to go with 2 1. Someone mentioned Nabil Fakir. Brilliant. This Oliver guy must know me really well. Nabil Fakir has been good as well. He has been good. Me, sorry, for, for Olivier's credit, you keep saying his name wrong. You do it every show. You see, Olivier. there's an I after the V. Olivier. Like Giroud. Olivier. Olivier. Yes, I said Olivier. 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 I don't know if you're French, but Olivier. Olivier. There you go. Um, but no, Nabil Fakir has played well at um, Betis. Um, I'm still dumbfounded that no one else took a chance on him in 2019 when his deal collapsed uh, with us, that there was no other club, you know, a little bit above Betis that would have taken a chance on him. Maybe it was his brother, his agent or his dodgy knees. We'll never know. But right, football. Oh, he's French-Canadian. I think he's there from Quebec. Go. He could be from Quebec. That's, you know, that's French-Canadian. Um, so Olivier, thanks for tuning in. Let's talk now about, we're going to go on a different sport now. Enough sport. And I want to talk about the big one last week, and this will be the final topic of the show tonight. Um, Joshua Usyk 
Connor, what did you tweet last week prior to the fight? Your prediction? <laughs> I knew this was coming out. I didn't think it would come out so early in the review, but I knew it was coming out. I tweeted Joshua within six, and I will hold my hands up. I got it wrong. You predicted Joshua in six, didn't you? So Joshua I think me and, six, yeah. me and Kev, we did a pod last Friday while you were gallivanting in your naked beaches in Greece. We said Usyk on points, and I said it would be a very comprehensive win as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just the, just the way the style that Usyk brings, and I think he was just a thorn in Joshua. And Joshua, there was a video that I posted on a WhatsApp group. If you saw Joshua's um, body language after the first round, he sits down on his stool, right, and he looks at his three ref- um, three sort of coaches, and he looks disillusioned already, and that's never a good sign. And to look all three in the eye in the first round he smelt trouble yeah yeah it was trouble straight mm-hmm. away um and Usyk from there you know he was brilliant he came out fast as well I don't think Joshua was anticipating the way you know Usyk came front foot and now Connor I want to come to this because a few I've, I've had a few good debates with um some of the regulars Kieran Thorne uh we've had a debate about this rematch clause <laughs> Do you think these are the right way that Joshua should go for the rematch? Or do you think he should maybe evaluate his game, go back to the gym, go and fight two good sort of heavyweights, or even one good heavyweight in that top four of six, seven. So maybe a Luis Ortiz or a Frank Sanchez who's fighting, I think, next week as well, or the week after the Wilder Fury fight. Like not even a tune-up, but if you're going to fight, if you're going to come differently to Usyk with a different style and stance um, with a different approach, you know, go and fight someone else before you fight Usyk because this time Usyk, I don't think Usyk, um, I don't think Usyk will come this time just for points. I think he'll genuinely knock him out. I really think, and he's got the power. We know he has, he can hurt Joshua. And that final round, that last minute, that was shaky. You know, he was on the mm-hmm. ropes there. One more round and he's, father, and he's done. Father Ted it's a I'm stoppage. Telling you, I'm telling you, the ref, the ref could have called it. So yeah. do you think it's dangerous that he takes this rematch? Or do you think, you know, it is what it is. If he signed the rematch, then, you know, let's just yeah. hope he's changed his stance and whatnot. No, yes, absolutely. I think it's it's dangerous for Joshua. Um, the, only, the only hint of danger for Usyk would be, as you suggest, if he gets you know overconfident and comes for the stoppage and thinks he has it in him and underestimates Joshua because we all know Joshua is a power player um you know and if you underestimate him and if you you know are are loose in your attack and in your defense then he'll exploit that and you'll be down um so that could be a, a worry for for Usyk but no I think I think if anyone needs to be worried about the rematch clause it should be AJ because They've, they've both known each other now. They've both got used to each other. They've both experienced each other firsthand. And from that, you learn a lot more than just, you know, sparring, training, watching videos, pre- preparation, that sort of thing. And I think the, the, the fighter who will learn most and who will learn quickest is Usyk. And the fighter who's clearly got the upper hand right now is Usyk. So if they were to have another bout, especially the sooner, the sooner the better for Usyk as well. Um, so, yeah, I think Usyk definitely has the upper hand if they were to fight again. And if Usyk wins that, again, if he wins it comprehensively, that wild, that Fury and Joshua fight doesn't happen for me. It doesn't happen. I think they will be long gone. Uh, Whatever happens next week, and again, I think Fury will get the better of Wilder. 
I think as soon as Fury sort of troubles him, Fury um, Wilder will resort back to his normal self, which is throwing bombs from mm -hmm. you know you know swinging again. I don't think you can yeah. change your approach in six months, seven months. It doesn't happen for a boxer like that. You know you need to be a little bit more tactile. You need to take your time. So I think Fury wins that next week. Fury has the pulling power then. He dictates where he wants to go in the heavyweight div division rather than Hearns and um, Eddie Hearns and Joshua. That's mm -hmm. what I mean. If Joshua loses the big one against Usyk next, Which where he, does he well, go? He's he can already lost the big one. He can take a British fight, but it won't be against Fury. It will be against Dillian White. But is that the fight that he really wants? No, I don't think he'll fight Dillian White next. Um, but at, at the back of my head, I, I don't think he'll fight Fury ever. Um, for some reason, this 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 fight, this bout between the two of them has been so tantalizing and been so coveted by everyone across the nation, by all boxing fans, but it's always been pushed back. There's always been, all oh, right, there's a rematch clause there. There's a title fight there. And there's there are too many intermediaries. And one of the intermediaries is Bob Arum. Bob Arum, funnily enough, was the same promoter for Manny Pacquiao. And we know negotiations between Mayweather and Pacquiao took five, ten years uh, too late, really, to get that fight done. And the, by the time we did get that Pacquiao-Mayweather fight, it was a drab. You know, Mayweather made it look really easy. Kevo Sullivan, uh, Fury won't allow Usyk get anywhere near him. That's a great fight, potentially. I think that is a great oh, fight. And, and I know a lot of people are saying that. Fury will walk through him or will be comprehensively. No. I don't think it will be that easy, yeah. I don't see. No. I don't see um, him sending it that easy as well. Some people are saying AJ is still a cash cow. Fair enough. Um, I mean, Eddie Hearns does know how to market and brand his boxes really well. I think Tafsir. I think AJ is finished. His head is gone. Look, I, and I don't want there to be any sort of like hate or dislike from my side with Joshua. I like Joshua as a guy. You know, he comes across really well. He speaks very well, but. One thing is, when you've lost in the manner that you have, like against an Andy Ruiz, right? When you get knocked out like you did with Andy Ruiz, and yes, you beat him in the rematch, that knockout will always be on the back of your mind. And that defeat was devastating in America. That was his debut in America as well. People yeah. forget that. You know, the, the one thing that you want to do, I remember Prince Nassim went to America. His first fight was against Kevin Kelly. He gets knocked out like three, four times in the first sort of two, three rounds. But he wins that fight in entertaining fashion. And the Americans begin to love him. And then obviously he loses to Marco Antonio Barrera down the line. But Joshua needed to make an impression on the American crowd. Because, you know, fighting in Vegas and whatnot, is that, that is where the money is. So I do worry about Joshua. And some people say that he should change gyms. He should change trainers. Maybe so. You know, maybe Robert McCracken has taken his athlete as far as he could, you know, and he can't, there's nothing else he can do. So maybe a switch to a different jib, maybe fighting out here with Virgil Hunter, maybe with Mayweather, you know, maybe somewhere like that, maybe with Freddie Roach, uh, Oscar Valdez, maybe somewhere like that out here could do wonders for him. But, you know, it, he is still sort of 31 as well, 32, I think, Joshua. There is still time on his hands, but you just hope that can improve as a boxer because i do want to see a good you know Anthony joshua i do want to see a different Anthony joshua to the one that we're used to but i think we're what we're seeing at the moment is definitely a different anthony joshua as to one that we've seen in the last two three four years he's almost holding himself back, back and trying yeah. to reinvent himself as a different type of boxer which i really disagree with but then I mean, people, people say that he should have gone gun ho against Usyk. i don't think he can do that 
No, but there's a balance and he, he could have gone more gung-ho. It's almost mm. as if he felt tentative and felt like he didn't want to fully go for it. And I know... Well, he might have felt Usyk's then, power very early because Usyk was getting exactly. those jabs and he off. did. And he's a short yeah, guy, rounds yeah. one to four, rounds one to four, they were Usyk all day long, all over. Uh, and maybe that changed AJ's game plan. Um, to me, initially, it felt as if he was being overly cautious. That's trouble Lakers says. He was being overly cautious and he was holding back something. And that's not the AJ we normally see. We normally see gung-ho straight from the start, in early, in heavy. We didn't see any of that. It was tentative. It was, I don't know, it, it wasn't the AJ that we know. It's almost as if he was trying to reinvent himself as this sort of IQ boxer or if he was just trying to... I don't know, conserve energy after, you know, learning from the Ruiz bout, but it didn't work. Whether that was to do with his strategy or with Usyk or a combination of the two, I personally feel it was Usyk more than anything because he put in a quality performance, performance that I didn't anticipate, something of that quality. I don't think many others did, apart oh, from you then. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, yeah. thank you. Gunner. Visionary. Next week, give us a quick prediction, Fury Wilder, and we'll go. That's why I want to get Kevin on next week as well, so we can talk about Fury and Wilder in depth. We'll cover that next week, actually. We'll talk mm. about the Formula One quickly. Lewis Hamilton is back in the lead. Whoa, 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 whoa. You just said give me a prediction. No, no, we'll talk about it. And I just said, if you listen, see, you've been on those gin and tonics too many, idiot. We'll go on. We'll talk, we'll talk about <laughs> Fury and Wilder. We'll talk about Fury and Wilder next week because Kev will be joining us. And Kev's got a comment, and we'll bring his comment up. Remember what I said about Usyk naturally evolving into a fully fledged heavyweight. He's carried his power up with him naturally. Yeah, he did, and he did hurt him. He did hurt Joshua. We could see it as well. Um, but next week should be a fascinating, quick update on the Formula One. Um, a lot of uh, Netflix. Has anyone seen what was that? Squid Games. Guys, in the comments, if you've seen Squid Games, is it a yes or a nay? I was thinking of opening up a new. Well, I wanted to watch a new series on Netflix. I was watching this uh, chef program, actually. I forgot his name. He's um, an American guy who goes out on different cities um, trying out foods in, like, Mexico. Adam Richmond. Man be food. There you go. There you go. Is that um, him? Seriously? And Adam Rich. Yeah, I think it is the one. He's got some funny expressions like Mr. Bean. He looks like Mr. Bean. I thought he died, for fuck's sake. I thought his no, heart sorry, exploded. Sorry, it, wasn't, it wasn't him then. Sorry. It wasn't him. It was someone else then. No, no, he but, didn't die. It was for comedic effect. He didn't die. Oh, he just he, uh, ate, a lo- he ate a load let's of carry shit. On. Let's heart. carry on. Let's carry on. People okay. have got other things yeah, to do on a Friday night than listen to me and you bicker. Um, Squid Games is a yes. There you go. Yep. We've Agreed. I've watched three episodes and I'm hooked already. It's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It's in based in South Korea, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. It's Dab- like a. It's basically a mix of. Um, do you ever see the video game Fall Guys? It's like a sort of uh, elimination the video, game. The only video games I used to play was Street Fighter. Street Fighter. Tekken. You like a bit of Tekken? Oh, Tekken, Tekken 2. Tekken, I had... Tekken, yeah. I, oh, I predated you then. Who was Tekken who was 1 the, and Tekken who was, 2. Who was the granddad character in Tekken? Not Yoshimitsu? Yoshi, no, was it Yoshimitsu? No, Yoshimitsu no. was the robot. It was... Um... Hey, Archie. Hey, Archie. Was he the granddad, yeah. though, in Tekken? Yeah, and he had the big the, the sandals with the big blocks on. I used to kick people in the face with them. Yeah, my, yeah. Fa- my favorite video game. I don't know how we're transcending into these sort of video games. Soul Calibur. Soul Calibur on the Xbox 360. Oh, the graphics. Brilliant game. And used to have nunchucks, swords, and all these um, brilliant. Soul, Soul Calibur was the best uh, fighting game. Um, better than Street Fighter. Better than Mortal Kombat. Better than Tekken, Soul Calibur, Connor. Oh, it was it was a I'll great. Give it a go. Um, I like that sort of thing. Yeah, was, no, but and, with that, 
talking about Squid Games, it's a it's sort of like a it's a combination of Fall Guys, which is like an elimination game with but the Hunger Bill, Games. Kill Bill, Kill Bill. It's an elimination game with death as the ultimate consequence. Uh, and it's for yeah, I, I won't I won't delve too much into the details, but I would definitely recommend watching it. Got it. There was Jin Pishi Jin Pashi Mishima. Who was that? A character out of Tekken. Jinpashi Mishima. That must be a later one because I only played Tekken one, two, three. That might be in the Soul Calibur, one of the unlockable characters. Hmm. You know, you got to do certain sort of missions and stuff to unlock yeah, yeah, characters. Yeah. I used to just buy the credits off my dad's credit card. That's what I used to do, honestly. You know, like you could buy. <laughs> honestly, I used to just buy them, and then you say, "What's this on my Mastercard?" I was like, Dad, I have to get something in the computer. And then obviously, you get probably <laughs> whatnot in it. No pocket money for the week for uh, Avi Answer about swine. Hunger Games on Connor. Um, Battle Royale is the one. Oh, I don't know what this is. Yeah, no, Hunger Games is Battle Royale, though, isn't it? Isn't that Jennifer Lawrence? Yes, Jennifer Lawrence and Battle Royale. They're the two co-stars. Okay, got it. Um, I, th- Jin, I think Jin Pashi was Hayashi's dad on Tekken 7. It's fucking Tekken 7 or 6. How many of them were they, Connor? Hayashi's hey, even... dad? Jesus Christ. Hayashi was about 90 himself. Exactly. Um, bloody hell. I didn't even know there was Tekken 6, 7. I stopped at Tekken 3, I think. Yeah, me too. Um, on the PS2, and then maybe there was P- actually no. I got so I brought Soul Calibur. I was into Soul Calibur a lot. Um, Sega Dreamcast. Oh, these were before your time, Connor. Sega Dreamcast. Um, what was that Rumble Rumble Boxing? Uh, Ready to Rumble. What a boxing game. Afro Thunder. What a character on Ready to Rumble on the Dreamcast. Dreamcast was the most underrated uh, console ever made. Sega itself. I don't know what happened, but financially they got into trouble, and. That was the end of that. Uh, Dreamcast, Sega Saturn, Sega Mega Drive. Oh, NHL. N- NHL. Oh, no, no. NHL on the Sega Mega Drive. Red Steve's always in it for me. Anyway, he always digs me in. Anyway, it's fine. He always rips me one. That's fine. Um, God bless him. I had a Dreamcast chipped and had about 100 games. Yeah, see, you used to be able to get these games chipped from... You know what? Let's not talk about chipped and stuff like that. Because uh, we'll be bordering... What a uh, shout from Steve. PS Plus next month has a Tekken game. Tekken 10. God damn, they're on 10. It's crazy. It's like when you see the how now. Much are, how much are games? Now, you can download them now, can't you? Oh, PS Plus. PS Olivier. Plus is, uh, is free. PS Plus, you get two games free each month. NHL 94. He must be talking about the Mega Drive version where you can actually have a stand-up fight. You can only do one or move, but you, you have to move your controllers and stuff. It was brilliant. See, gaming back in the day, Mario Kart, Mario Kart 64, Double Dash. Yeah, just Google it. Jin Poshi's high issues, dad, lol. Another way to get another character in. Jesus. There we go. I didn't have Google in my days. We didn't even have Ask Jeeves in my days. It was very um thingy. I love I love you. <laughs> You're giving him a couple extra inches there. Honestly, I get so much like, but no, Red Steve's one of the regulars. He's a good guy. But NBA Jam. Um, I liked NBA games, yeah. On the 360, you were able to play NBA and then play music as well on your hard drive. Um Good thing about N6, um, 360s. Jeremy Roenick, one time I was lethal. What's that? A skateboarding game. I know Tony Hawk's, but I don't know this. N64 was the ultimate console. See, you don't even remember N64, do you? No, Mario Kart 64. Talk to me, guys. Mario Kart 64. What a game. WCW versus NWO Revenge on the 64. Oh, my God. Oh, uh, Banjo Kazooie on the 64. Donkey Kong on the 64. Oh, see, these are memories. I'm going to get emotional here, so let's stop. Yeah. Right, let's, let's end stop. it before you get a tear in your eye, mate. Sega no started suffering off the launch of N64. Yeah, Laura. Fucking hell, Laura. Laura knows everything. Jeremy Roenick was a hockey player. Only hockey player I knew was the great 
Greg Rosetsky. Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, Wayne Gretzky. Who did you say? I said Greg Rosetsky. US Open '97 finalist. He was lost to Jonas Bjorkman, I think. I just but, remember um, Jeremy nice. Roenick was a hockey player. Wayne Gretzky, I remember, because Wayne Gretzky did something controversial. He went from Edmonton to America, and then the Canadians started hating him. Something like that. Um, WWE, No Mercy on N64. Oh, wow. He, we should do um, a retro gaming uh, podcast. First one I had was Nintendo with the top load of cartridge. Yeah. My first console was Sega Master System 1 and 2. Then Mega Drive was always expensive, but I managed to get Mega Drive out of my mum and dad. Then I had Nintendo. Then the SNES. The SNES came out. Um, Kickoff. Kickoff was a brilliant soccer game where they had fake names and whatnot. Um, but these were brilliant, man. King's Ransom 3430. What's that? A program? That must be a program. ESPN. Streets of Rage. Yeah. Good game. See, I never was into my Amigas. It was just um, after my, but just before my, um, before my time. Amiga, Commodore 64. Connor, you probably don't even know what Commodore was, do you? This is all sensible still, soccer, mate. sensible soccer on the joysticks. You stuck there, brilliant. No, games, all gibberish to me. Um, here you go. This was what it was. So Wayne Gretzky went from Calgary, Calgary Oilers, whatever you call them, to LA Rams for a record wage. There you go. That's what the controversial uh, controversy was, and he was absolutely vilified. He was threatened of well, all sorts. It was a very controversial Edward. Don't worry, Edward. We'll be back with Footy Talk next week. We'll be joined Many by Kevin Sullivan. And Josh Josh Joseph will be joining us. So if there's anyone who wants to come in on the show next week, we can do a quick 10-minute segments. Uh, you can give us whatever insults, abuse, or we can just talk footy about various sports. Um, you're more than welcome. Laura Duffy, if you just want to be on standby, if you want to come on the show, more than welcome. Sam Thandy, anyone that wants to come on, brilliant. Um, here you go. That's on Wayne Gretzky when he signed for LA Kings. Okay, that document he was talking about, King's Ransom, there you go. That's on Wayne Gretzky, so you might want to watch that today. Um, but brilliant. Guys, it's been a brilliant show. Thanks for everyone that tuned in. Connor, welcome back. Is it good to be back? Absolute pleasure. Honestly, it's like I never left. Straight back into the swing of things. Good, good. And you can host next week as well, so that would be a Sweet. good thing. But no, guys, thanks for tuning in. Have a great weekend stay safe stay blessed remember we are on our road to recovery with sienna um please contribute where you can let's get her enough funds for her recovery as well um it will take a bit of time but i believe her trip to america has been penciled in so that's great news as well but guys have a good one let's hope that we win on sunday and let's just hope that Chelsea uh, lose tomorrow against Southampton. Over hey. and out. Thank you. Motherfucker. Sports Social Podcast Network.